0: Taylor CPA and Associates provides a broad range of services to help clients efficiently operate their businesses and plan for their financial futures. Short-term or long-term, individual, small business, or corporation, whatever your goals, they can help get you there. When you choose Taylor CPA and Associates, you gain access to an expanded team of advisors. If you have financial needs, They have the expert solution. That's Taylor CPA and Associates with two locations in Augusta and Atlanta, Georgia. Visit the website, tcpa.firm. That's tcpa.firm. On this episode of the Fish and Practice Podcast, I am super excited about the guest. He is none other than the maestro of dentistry, Dr. Howard Foran he's done so much for our profession and when Howard talks, you listen. So this is an unedited version of an interview that we recorded earlier this year. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. Welcome to the Efficient Practice Podcast. If you want increased productivity, profitability, and a better quality of life, this show is for you. And now your host, Dr. Evelyn Samuel Hello, 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 welcome to the Efficient Practice Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Evelyn Samuel, and I am super excited about today's interview. For those of you who are listening, you're going to want to stay on for the entire episode because we have a wonderful guest on the show today. I can't wait for you to hear all of the valuable pearls that he's going to drop. Uh, Today we have on the show Dr. Howard Perrin. Hi, Howard.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me on your show.
0: Absolutely, I'm so excited that you're here. I know that you're busy. I'm just really excited for what the viewers are going to hear. Um, But before we get started, I'd like to go over just a few show announcements. If you have not, please subscribe to, rate, and review the show. It's the Efficient Practice Podcast. It's for those of you who have an efficient practice, whether it's a dental or medical practice, or if you're using efficient practices to run your businesses better, the show is for you. So please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have not, please join our private Facebook group. It's called Efficiency Now Network, where there are a lot of dentists and business owners who are in there all helping each other to have better businesses so that we can be more efficient, more profitable, and just have a better quality of life. So before we get into the interview, I want to just read a few things about Dr. Ferran. I I can't imagine that you don't know who he is, but if if you've never heard of him, I can't imagine that. But I'll just give you a few corners about our esteemed guest for today. Howard DDS MBA is a practicing dentist with more than 25 years of clinical experience. Founder and CEO of Dental Town Magazine, which is celebrating 20 years in publication, host of the popular podcast, Dentistry Uncensored, as well as a noted international speaker on Faster, easier, more efficient dentistry. He has captivated audiences around the world with his innovative, informational, off the cuff and entertaining lectures for more than two decades. His area of expertise covers many aspects of dentistry, including the business of dentistry and clinical topics. Howard was voted by his peers in the top three on the list of the 32 Most Influential People in Dentistry from 2017 till 2019. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show,
1: Dr. Farron. Thank you so much for having me on. How are you doing today?
0: I am well. I am well. I'm so excited that you're here. I hope that I can temper my excitement that's going to come through. Um, When you say rock star, I know you say that a lot. You are the ultimate ultimate rock star. You are my dental hero. So thank Ah, you for being in the show. (laughs) But before we get really into your interview, there's a lot of things that we can cover. I'd like to just ask you and have you to tell the listeners a little bit about what got you into our wonderful field
1: of dentistry. You know, it was interesting. um, My dad was my idol. And um, do they have sonic drive-ins up there by Washington, D.C.?
0: There are Sonics like I'm from Alabama, and Sonics are everywhere. So I'm, yeah,
1: there, there is. So, so my dad um, delivered bread to grocery stores for about I think eleven thousand dollars a year, and um, he had seven kids, and mom was a stay home mom, so we were very poor. And he saved up all of his money, and he bought one of the first Sonic drive in franchises in Wichita, Kansas. And eventually, he had five in Wichita, one in Childers, Texas, Kearney, Nebraska, um, Louisville, Kentucky, Abilene, Kansas. He had nine, and so at age 10, um, 10 to twenty, it was this—you know, your your idol is uh, doing all this—you know—demographics, finding a location, marketing, advertising, HR. And I would, you know, I, I wanted to hang out with my dad at Sonic. I didn't want to stay at home with my five sisters. All we did is play Barbie dolls. I, I did play Barbie dolls till I was 12. Um, so um, it, was just, it was just fun and exciting. But as we went from poor to upper class, we moved into the nicest part of Wichita, Kansas, Hidden Lakes Estates. And my next door neighbor was Kenny Anderson, the dentist who's still practicing dentistry in Wichita. So I would go to work with my, my idol, my dad, but we'd make hamburgers and fries and onion rings. And then I'd go to work with my next door neighbor and he'd take an x-ray of a tooth and do a root canal and make a crown. And it was just so exciting I, that I wrote my dental school uh, a letter in the sixth grade and Diane Beard was the admissions officer when I wrote that letter and was still there when I became a freshman. And I told her, I said, you know, I really, 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 really want to be a dentist. What do I have to do? And she sent me back a letter. She told me I should go to high school and take science classes. And um, so I I never deviated 1%. It was just, um, you know, uh, fixing a tooth on a human was just so much more fulfilling than a hamburger frying a Coke. But then when I got out of school, I didn't realize all this business I had learned from my dad. So when I went to set up my office, I did the demographics just like dad would do for a sonic drive-in. And um, so I re- I was in a uh, Kansas City and a dental school from Wichita. So I wrote the um, Department of um, uh, Economic Security, Washington D.C., and uh, I think it was '85. And I asked them um, what were what are the future economic um, prospects in America? And they sent me back a report, which turned out to be true that from '85 to 2000, the United States would create 30 million jobs, and half of those jobs would be in Boston. Tampa, Phoenix, um, Silicon Valley, and uh, Orange Valley. So I didn't want to go to Boston because of snow, and I didn't like Florida with all the insects. And I, and growing up in Kansas, you think California, they're all crazy people. So I saw this Phoenix, Arizona, where almost half the people moved in from the northern Midwest, where I was from, Kansas, Iowa, Nebraska, North and South Dakota, Canada. So then I wrote um, Arizona's Department of Economic Security, and I asked them what their – future uh, economic um, expansion was. And they sent me the 70 census, the 80 census, the 85-mini-census, uh, the six-year road improvement. And this was before computers. There were, there were no computers or cell phones back then. So I bought a six-foot by four-foot board. I traced out the 303 census tracts of the Phoenix Valley, and for each census track, I, I took an index card, and I wrote the Arizona, um, um, the Arizona State Board of Dental Examiners. And I got a printed list of all the dentists. And in each, each um, uh, area, I wrote down the uh, population to dentists. And it ranged from 1 in 500 all the way to 1 in 6,000. And then I wrote the percent change of growth from 70 to 80 to the 85 mini census. So I I did that, and I arranged all the zip codes of Phoenix, and the number one was 85044, where my practice is 31 years old, and I worked two days last week, and I see patients tomorrow. And there was only one dentist for every 6,000 people. They were building 90 homes a month, and they had a whole bunch of Arizona Department of Transportation uh, programs to widen streets, add streets, build streets. So I just hit a demographic gold mine. Whereas when I was in Wichita, every time I would come home from school, I'd go visit, you know, about about a half dozen dentists on the south side. uh, Dr. Peltzer, Dr. Purpard, Dr. Knudsen, Dr. Orr, Dr. Anderson. And these guys would always um, tell me that the population of Wichita, it it never changes. And it, it just been flat for decades because in Wichita, every time a girl got pregnant, a guy left town, And so the uh, population stayed the same. And they would always complain that UMKC in Kansas City and Creighton and Omaha kept graduating all these dentists. And every year, the population would be the same, but Wichita would get another 15, 20 dentists. And they would show me on their charts how their income uh, just slowly slipping down every year after year after year. So I thought being a 25-year-old dentist going back to Wichita was a bad idea. The, the curve didn't look right. You know, it was it was going down. So I picked uh, Wichita, and that lesson still holds true today because you, you look at America, and the bottom line is half of America lives in 147 metros, and the other half lives in 19,000 towns. And two out of every three dentists goes to the big town because – when you're a millennial and, and you're a dentist, you want to live in Washington, D.C. Or, Al- or Atlanta or San Fran. Who wants to go to Salina, Kansas? But but what I've seen um, for 31 years, it, I'll give you another example here. When I was in Phoenix, everybody who comes here thinks that you're gonna do the best in Rich Scottsdale. And this young dentist came out to me and he was already married and he already had two kids and, and he already had student loans and I said, why do you want to go to Scottsdale where an acre of land only has about two people? I said, um, there's still not a dentist in Florence, Arizona and Maricopa and they're exploding. He went down to Maricopa. He 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 asked about this about 20 years ago. He's got a hundred new patients a month for 20 years and Maricopa in Florence still needs a dentist and Eloy doesn't even have a dentist. And then when you tell some kid coming out of dental school and they're $400,000 in debt, I say, go set up an Eloy. And they go, Eloy, that's a dump. And I'm like, they don't have a dentist. And guess what? People who live in a dump need a dentist. And you're going to go to Scottsdale and build this big Taj Mahal and all this marketing. And it, it's just crazy. So, you know, economics is go where they ain't, it's supply and demand. And when you're the, um I'll give you another example. In downtown San Francisco, there's a building. Um, I think I, uh, I, I don't want to get the stats wrong. I, Got it here. where Yeah, it's uh, 450 Sutter Street, downtown San Francisco, and one building has 162 dental offices in the building. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my goodness. You you would think, what the heck was the 100th guy thinking? Hell, 62 more people piled in after he did. I mean, and and have you ever in your life seen 162 uh, Arby's restaurants in one building? I mean, in fact, if you ask McDonald's how many franchises they have, it doesn't even register in their walnut brain because they don't even think that way. They just, they, they just reply to you, well, we like to have a McDonald's for every 25,000 people. So, you know, I mean, it's all demographics. And the, these dentists, they don't think demographics matter. And I say, well, demographics don't matter. Then go set up in Afghanistan. Go set up in Syria. I mean, it, truly, if you you know, and they say, "Well, if you build it, they'll come," and I'll say, "That's a Disney movie," you know that 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 that's a fantasy.
0: That's that's um, really important that you say that. And I, I get a lot of questions from new dentists and and dentists who have been in practice for a few years. And I actually recently got one from a dentist that was asking. Um, it basically said, Doc, how do you think someone would do in a rural area? And what you're saying is so, so important. Everyone wants to be in the city where everything is happening. But if it's overpopulated, it can be a, a recipe for disaster for a dentist, a new dentist or any dentist otherwise. And so the demographics is really important. Um, so, so well, yes.
1: Well, you know, you look at California with six dental schools. I mean, six dental schools in one state. And every graduate wants to set up an office where you can see the ocean from the window. And I'm like, that is the least original idea in all of dentistry. And, and they, they struggle, you know, they'll go set up, you know, basically from San Diego all the way to San Fran, within a mile of the beach, you got a dentist for every three or 400 people. Then you have these other dentists who will like go set up in Bakersfield, which Johnny Carson called the armpit of California. And they'll work, four 10-hour days and just crushing. Now, they'll be doing a million two and one practice, taking home 350. And then Thursday night, they drive into LA and they got a condo on the beach and they live like a rock star on the beach, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then Sunday night, they drive back or fly back to Bakersfield. And you know, we're at a cusp of everything's gonna change with driverless cars. So like, say you live in uh, Phoenix, in Scottsdale and you realize you need to set up a practice in Eloy or Florence or, or whatever. I mean, sure, it's a it's a, um, 30, 40-minute drive out of town, but, but within five years, that's going to be a driverless car. You, you might just go out in your car, and it might be just a box on wheels, and you'll, you'll sit there at a desk and do your computer or watch a movie, or you could have a nap in there, but um, I, I think I think demographics are um, they're they're just so important and and then here's another thing they graduate seven hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars I mean they graduate uh, two hundred eighty three thousand dollars in student loans was the average for last year two hundred eighty three thousand and then they'll go buy a practice the the average price of a practice purchase is seven fifty and I'll say well did you get demographics on this practice. And they're like no, nah, and you know the guy wanted five hundred bucks. I'm like five hundred bucks to tell you what's going on on supply and demand. And you know there's two guys that do demographics full time in dentistry. One is uh, David James of Realscore.com, and the other one is Doctor Scott McDonalds of Doctor Demographics. And I mean, um, i want to give an example of Doctor Demographics Scott McDonald because he's in Utah. A lot of kids they go to dental school all over the United States are Mormon. And a lot of them, you know, maybe they'll hook up with their spouse and they say, we really want to be in Utah. Well, if you're a Mormon, you know, there's a difference between seeing the temple outside your window in Salt Lake City versus a small town in Utah. And There's a lot of Mormon communities in Idaho, and, and he'll do the demographics, and he'll say, well, if you were to live in an LDS community, here's a town of 2,000 that's half LDS, and you'll just crush it there. And then so many of them say, no, I want to be in downtown Salt Lake City. Well, that, that, that's just, I mean, they don't need you. They have two dental schools, and you're going to struggle your whole life. And, you know, so you really got to make some soul-searching decisions about demographics.
0: Exactly. And like you say, you can always travel. You can go to those places with all the activities. If you're not living in the place where everything is happening, you can always travel.
1: And and I'd rather make several hundred thousand dollars a year and travel back to where I want to be than live across the street from where I want to be as always behind the eight ball, um, spending your whole life. And the bottom line is, do you have money that earns interest or are you always... Paying interest on other people's money. So I think dental school is a great use of other people's money because if I got out of high school and got a job in McDonald's for $15 an hour and saved up for eight years of college, I'd probably be 30 years old before I even started. But by borrowing other people's money, I'm worth $15 an hour when I go into college. I come out as a dentist, now I'm worth $100 an hour. That's a great use of other people's money. But when you look at these dentists and they're 10 years out of school, and they bought their house on a 30 year mortgage every time they get done paying off their 5 year car loan they immediately sign up for another 5 year car loan and you just routinely see dentists who are 50 years old still paying interest on other people's money and it's like um so so they they pick a bad location to make less money but they but they have this life of stress because they live above their means and then they end up spending 10 20 30 40 years of their life paying interest on the use of other people's money and I, I hate to say this because but i you know i just say it but every dental consultant will tell you that it's it's an Ameri- it's a born in america problem when people come to dental schools from other countries um, they left their country because they wanted to uh, to make a better life for themselves and it's so funny how if you come to um, U.S. Dental Schools from Central, South America, Africa, Asia. Um, they, they come out with um, student loans, and um, they will simply not buy a house. They won't buy a car. A lot of them live in their dental office, or they live with their mom and dad. There's like five, six people in a small apartment. And they will sit there and work, and five years later, they have their student loans paid off, and they have no debt. And then the rest of their life, they're earning interest from having savings which is loaned to people who need instant gratification, don't understand the purpose of delayed uh, satisfaction. And, and I mean, you see it in America. I had a patient the other day, 65 years old, just retired, moved to Phoenix, bought a house in Phoenix on a 30-year mortgage. And he's 65. It's like, dude, you won't even live to be 95. I, I mean, so, it, it, so, you, so paying interest on other people's money so you can live above your lifestyle is a very common disease in America, unlike developing nations, and it's a very common problem with dentists, physicians, and lawyers, because they just always look in the mirror and they go, well, well, I'm a lawyer. I'm not going to drive a Toyota Camry. I'm going to drive a Lexus. Yeah, it's on a five-year mortgage, uh, five-year payments, and then they say, well, I I can't live in a three-bedroom, two-bath. I'm a lawyer. Look at me. I need, I need the trophy house and the trophy spouse and the trophy car. And and dentists, they, they can't even do a vacation normal. Like, I'll say, okay, you got $200,000 student loans. Where are you going on, on vacation? Oh, I'm going to Hawaii. Hawaii, why, why don't you go to the lake and build a campfire and make some s'mores? I mean, you, you, you can go on that trip without even using your debit card. But they're like, uh, I'm a dentist. I, I should go to Hawaii. Or a cruise, or I've never seen Paris, France. I mean, you can you can rationalize anything when you're spending other people's money.
0: That's right. Oh, well, very good uh, points. So I, I was going to ask you what advice would you give um, new dentists who are coming out, or or even dentists who have been in practice and they're feeling a little disenchanted. With what they thought dentistry or how dentistry would be. You've actually hit on a lot of that like I've gotten from you to, to just not live above your means to do a demographic study location location and location um, and to keep your debt down if possible some of the things that I'm hearing from you.
1: Well, you know, when they, they um Dental soon you know, everybody likes to get the world's smallest violin and play about how, you know, how tough their life is. But, but you know, it's like my four boys and they're saying, you know, that dad, you know, how do you think America's doing? And I said, Well, we survived, you know, I mean, you, you think today is bad. How would you like to live in the Great Depression when from nineteen thirty two to nineteen thirty six a third of the banks went under and one in four people were unemployed for four years? I mean, and they'll say, Well, I got you know, I just graduated dental school. I, I met several dental students last night at a um, and the dean of uh, Midwestern Dental School. It was really, really fun. And they were saying, well, you know, I'm going to come out 200 and, you know, the average is 233,610 bucks. And I say, well, the, um, I mean, no, for the average student loan debt, it was 287,331. But having an average kid in America to raise from birth to 17, not including college, is 233,000. So I said, you know, my parents had seven kids. I had four kids. So your student loan debt is just one kid. So if you thought in dental school you're gonna have three kids, well, if you just had two, you don't even have any student loans. And then they talk about their student loan debt so high and the average divorce in dentistry is seven figures. It's a million dollar um, issue um, when you get divorced. So the student loans cost less than a child. Um, the student loans will probably be about one fourth the cost of your divorce. And so it's, it's all just an attitude. And, um, I, I think dentistry, I mean, who wouldn't want to send their kid to dental school for $287,000 when the average kid that got out could make $187,000. I mean, I tell these kids in dental school, I don't care what your student loan in debt is. There'll be one year in your life where you earn that much money. And many parents in America, if they thought their kid could get a fifty thousand dollars job, a fifty thousand dollars a year for the rest of his life, if they sent, you know, some company, if I could send Ford Motor Company a check for fifty grand, and they'd hire one of my kids and pay him fifty grand a year, I mean, it, it, it's a it's an outstanding um, job. Um, it's amazing. Um, I, I like the um, I like the analogy of the little blue pill when they, when people are um, second guessing healthcare. The, the you know, and economics humans always say things, but it never, it never matches up with their actions. So you really, if you're going to be a business person, you got to look at what people do, not what they say, like, like when everybody was guilt tripping McDonald's because they didn't sell healthy food. So McDonald's rolled out all these salads and all that. And guess, guess how many people went into McDonald's and bought a salad versus a Big Mac and Coke? I mean, You know, so people say McDonald's should order healthy food, but when they put it out, well, they go get a cheeseburger and a fry and a Dr. Pepper. Um, So, I mean, so um, the little blue pill was, um, it's so funny how people always say we spend too much money in healthcare. So as an economist, they have to have clarity questions. They got to ask you something because you're saying all this, but they'll ask you a question. So they'll go to every um, woman. Are you um, married? Do you have children? Do you have a baby?
0: Do I? I no. Yes, I, I have two.
1: Okay, so let's... <laughs> we <napping> right now. <laughs> so let's say one of your children had a disease and was going to die. And they walked up to you and they said, we got a little blue pill. And if you're, you buy this pill and give it to your baby, they won't die from the disease. How much money would you pay me for that pill? It's priceless. Right. Would well, you give me your house? I will give you everything. Yeah, so so nobody says America spends too much money on houses, cars, and phones. But they always say we spend too much money on healthcare. Yet you go talk to the people; they'll give you their house, their car, their phone, their iPad, their four hundred one. They'll give you everything to keep this little baby. So so humans already show you that healthcare is that health is the ultimate wealth, and they'll trade every materialistic possession they own. Um, And the the first people that realized this in healthcare was the Mayo brothers, because they were blown away that, you know, it'd be like an 80-year-old grandma who was on a wheat farm for 40 years and grandpa died and she's got cancer and she's going to die. Yet the family was willing to sell the entire farm and the millions of dollars if you could save an 85-year-old woman from dying of cancer. And the Mayo brothers said, you guys, this is prices. There's a market. For the very high end, and I I always go to women um, that um, say that uh, dentistry is too expensive, and I say, well, how much money would I have to give you to extract your front tooth, your front incisor, and you could never replace it the rest of your life? How much money would I have to give you?
0: There is no money. (laughs) This is my front tooth. I'm a dentist. (laughs) You can't ask me
1: that. You know, it, it reminds me of a great story. I remember when the Berlin Wall fell. And the dentists had all worked for the um, the Polish government, and in one night the Berlin Wall came down and the government was gone, and the dentists were all employed, and they all panicked, and they asked me to come over because I just released my book, The Business of Dentistry, so they thought I was a business guy. So they come over, they packed the place. There's like a thousand people in this auditorium, and they were all lecturing me, saying, "Howard, you don't understand. The Polish people, they're they're communists, cradle to grave. They'll never pay their own money." to fix their own teeth. I said, really? Well, we're in a dental school, and you're a woman dentist. I said, I got a thousand bucks. Your economy's bankrupt. The lot's not even being traded. I said, I'll give you 10 Benjamins, American $100 bills cash, to take you over to the oral surgery department and pull your front tooth. And all these panicking people, they're were, they were all like, oh, no way. I go, oh, so you're different than the Polish people? I said, people are just people. And there's not one girl in poland who wants to lose her front tooth and if she's going to lose her front tooth and you can fix it she's going to give you money so all these connotations that she's not a human she's a communist and she'll never pay money and it all proved out to be wrong and i told those dentists i said go home i said go to where you worked and they were in like 100 chair facilities i said take your government chair where you worked in the clinic with 99 operatories Go to your house, take out the dining room table, put your chair in there, your cell phone is your is your office. And when your four Catholic kids come home from school, give them a flyer, said one north, one east, one west, some south, and say, My mom's a dentist, here's our address, you know, come there. And start focusing on instead of silver fillings, do two-colored fillings, bleaching, bonding, all that stuff. Oh my God. I went back probably every, I don't know, maybe every Four or five years for maybe 20 years. And they the, the first five years I went back, they were all making double the money they made when they worked for the government in a clinic. So, so so um health, so dentistry is a really weird junction because it's your teeth, but teeth are part of hair, nails, eyelashes, mm-hmm. lipstick. It's so beauty-driven that it's not even about health. Like, you know, the joke, like, well, you need four quadrants to root plane cure, you have 10 cavities. And the patient replies, can I get my teeth whitened? I mean, so, so dentistry is so valuable in the minds of all the people. They're not going to lose their front tooth. Um, that, that's why I think Invisalign and Smiles Direct Club, I think, is going to go public next month. So is Lyft. And, and the, these, these, country, the, the, these companies are going to go forever because, you know, there's three ways to sell to a human. There's the brain which if you're buying a product for an intellectual reason on the S&P 500, there's usually only about a 5% problem margin. But if it's the heart, matters of the heart, it's about 15% problem margin where they're guilting you like choosy mothers choose gif for their kids. I mean, your baby, isn't your baby special? Buy buy these special things. But if it's below the belt, if it's about reproducing, having offspring, uh, whiter, brighter teeth, all these things of that, the the profit margins are usually 35%. And it blew my mind when I was lecturing in um, Tanzania, Somalia, um, um, Malaysia, Cambodia. Um, I remember in Cambodia, you know, anytime you go to a restaurant, I, I usually, when it's an international trip, usually I take at least one, two, three of my four boys with me. They like to, that's kind of our dad deal, seeing all these countries. And the minute they find out that we're in their country, for a dental convention, first question out of their mouth is Invisalign, and I had this waitress um, at a bar at a, some some uh, restaurant joint in uh, Cambodia, and she had Invisalign. I said, "Well, how much was it?" She said, "It was twelve hundred U.S. cash." I said, "Well,
0: so that 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 says something important. It tells you that people pay for what they value." And that's kind of something we have to bring into our practices. Like when new practices or new dentists are concerned about what they can produce or what you know what they can make in terms of dentistry, people pay for what they value. And like you said, it's the heartstrings. When when your people buy for emotion, it's beauty. It's things that that are important to them. And so they they will get these services done. They will pay you for those services. So I wanted to also ask you, um, Dr. Farron, before. as we get into the interview, about your uh, MBA. You had a 30-day MBA series, uh, and that's really important because most dentists that get out of school, they absolutely have no clue about business. So when you were saying it, it was kind of intuitive to you because your, your father, uh, you grew up watching your father with all these businesses, and you were picking up these things, and you didn't even know you were, you were picking those up. So uh, what what is your 30 day MBA? Do you still have that or, or are you doing the, the daily lectures on your, your MBA?
1: Yeah, I, so w- it was in I had been out of school 10 years and I learned all my business from my dad and I thought you know What? Um, that's that's kind of like my dental assistant. She's been with me for a decade She could do any filling crown or root canal, but she's not a dentist and I thought you know what? I'm doing all this business, but I'm not technically a dentist I just was an assistant to my dad so I went back to the evening program at ASU. It was um, every Monday and Wednesday from six to 10. It was um, six trimesters. So every quarter, every every uh, four months, it'd be two classes, one from six to eight, one from eight to 10. So that's when I bought my first laptop. And I went in there and I said, well, I'm just going to take the notes for my today's dental office. So I did that. You know, I think the first two classes was like HR and organizational management. And then there'd be like, managerial accounting, financial accounting, marketing, all these stuff. And I just took notes. And then when I was done with those notes, um, in my two-year kind of um, project on getting an MBA, which I think was the greatest decision I made in, in dentistry, you, you'll never think the same when you have an MBA. I, I tell every kid to go do it. And you could do it Monday and Wednesday night, or you could do it Tuesday and Thursday night, or you could do it just every Saturday from, I think, 8 to 2. Um, but um, or eight to uh, eight to four or something like that. But um, so then I I ran it out my notes and it was thirty hours. So I just spliced it the thirty day dental MBA and back then it was VCR. You're probably not even old enough to remember what a VCR is, are you? I do. <laughs> you remember seeing one at your grandma's house? Yeah. So I, I put that out there, and now it's available. I, I they're, they're um, on YouTube. They're they're free. You just go to YouTube and type in Doctor Fran Thirty Day Dental MBA, and then I have a podcast on iTunes. But I have a separate podcast, uh, Doctor Fran's Thirty Day Dental MBA. It's the thirty one hour deals, and I think um, um, they're on iTunes. So they're completely free and they're timeless. I keep getting emails, and people say, "Man, you know, I almost didn't want to watch it because it was you know made in '98." And I said, "Well." business doesn't change. I mean, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't not give your child a book on geometry because it was 20 years old. I mean, Pythagoras was what 600 BC. I, I don't think geometry's changed in 2,500 years and, and it's people, time, money, financial accounting, managerial accounting, HR. I mean, they're just timeless lessons. And they could do it for free, but um, I, I say, um, "Listen to the 30-day Dental MBA on YouTube or iTunes, or it's on the website Dentaltown.com." Uh, and, and you know and the other thing about the MBA class that was so fun is it was 200 students, and they're always breaking you up into teams. And I think a lot of dentists and physicians, uh, people in government, they, they, they see their industry as special or different, and it was so fun to be in teams with people from Intel and Motorola, and Walmart, and all these, all these different, and, and, and you start realizing that people are people, it doesn't matter if you work for the government or Walmart, uh, time, you only have so much time in the day, um, money is pretty straightforward, you know, managerial accounting, financial accounting, and it was, um, it was just a great, and then every time they gave a team project, or gave a project, you know, everybody was, back then, that was in uh, 98, so the big stocks of the time were, uh, Microsoft, and Intel, and Cisco, and Dell, and every company project I did was a dental company. It was either my dental office, or it was Henry Shine or Patterson, or Dentsply, or 3MSB, and it was just unbelievable. Um, I, I just recommend it to anyone.
0: Okay, great, great. So the 30-Day MBA, you also have the best-selling book, Uncomplicate, complicate business. So while that's very good for us as dentists, it's just good for people who are in business, period. Because like you said, business has not changed. And whatever type of business we have, we can, we can always use pearls that'll make it run more efficiently. So that book has been on the top list. I, I got it, I don't know, probably uh, years ago when you interviewed me some years ago. And so it's still one of the top listed books on on amazon if i'm correct
1: so that's 488 you you were on my show but that, that was a special book for me because i had my first granddaughter i have four boys and they've made me five grandchildren and little taylor was born and i was 50 and i realized my dad and both of my grandparents uh males all the males my dad and their um and my two grandfathers—they all died at 61, and I was 50. And I'm looking at little Taylor, and I thought, okay, if 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 it all works out, you know, if it's all, you know, genetics or whatever, I'll die when you're 11. And I don't know if you're going to be a dentist or own a—I I don't know what you're going to own. So I had written a column. My my magazine's 25 years old, and my website just turned 20 years old on uh, March. So I've written a column every month since '94. I laid out all my columns on the dining room table. I threw away everything that was dental related because I didn't know Taylor was going to be a dentist. Threw out all the endo, perio everything. And I just looked at that business and I looked at all those articles and it finally dawned on me that every article on business is about people, time, or money. So in that book, nowhere, you know, I don't say I'm a dentist. I don't talk about dental. It's just business. And it, and it applies as much to Sonic Drive-In as it does to a dental office as as the same it would to a government or a nonprofit organization. I mean, I don't care if you're leading people in war or at the Red Cross, you got to attract and retain people, Um, you know, you got to manage people, you got to manage your time, you got to manage your money. And um, so I wrote that. And the secret to writing is rewriting, I think the first draft was 600 pages, the second draft I got it down to 400 pages, the third draft I got down to 200 pages. And it's really done well because it's just so brutally succinct and it's all obvious. And I, I think it'll also be time. It's like when you read del Carnegie's book, how to win friends and influence people that won't change a thousand years from now. I mean, homo sapien is still going to be the same person. If you make them feel bad, they're not going to like you. And if you make them feel good, they're going to, they're going to work with you.
0: Well, and I'll say this, you said um, it's all obvious, but I'll just say this. Sometimes, like you, you're very you're great at things. And what comes natural to you is really amazing to others. So it, it seems obvious to you, but it's it's amazing to others. And 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 so many people are benefiting and will continue to benefit from that.
1: Yeah, and and I, I love that book. If, if you got a friend or says in any occupation and they're struggling, you know, it's just a it's just a great book that just bullseyes what they need to focus on and uh yeah i'm really proud of that book and uh i want you to buy it and read it because i often wonder if taylor will ever grow up and read it no i I mean we have it (laughs) i mean the listeners (laughs) you need to read that book because it's probably a good chance taylor will never read it (laughs)
0: Yeah. Well, I already have it, and I, I hope Taylor reads it too, but, but I already have it, and it's wonderful, because I, I have the, um, the Audible copy, because I do a lot of books in the car, so that, that works really well for me. I can just listen to a lot of books if I'm not reading as much as I, as I like to, but the hardback books. Yeah. So, and and your Dental Town, so Dental Town has been around, is it, you said 25 years now?
1: The magazine, 25 years, the, the website, 20 years. Uh, it was 20 years just last week on St. Patrick's Day. Amazing. We on St. Patrick's Day, 20 years ago.
0: Amazing. What, a, what an amazing platform that you've created that we as dentists can go on, and we can find out anything. There's CE, and, and I'll say this for people who may not know about Dental Town. Like I said, I can't imagine that there are dentists out there that don't. But a whole platform that we can go on and we can learn from each other. We don't feel like we're so isolated and alone because dentistry can be very lonely, especially as a solo practitioner. So if you can go on and you can ask questions about cases or materials or equipment, you can get CE credits. It, it, it's amazing. It's like, it's like dentistry's Facebook. So it's, it's truly amazing and, and kudos to you for, for having the vision to think of something like that, to create that magazine, way, way, way back when. Um,
1: well, we started Dentaltown five years, we were 99 and Facebook was 2004. But you know why Dentaltown was obvious to me? Well, business was obvious because, you know, if your dad every night, all he would talk about is soccer in the World Cup, well, you'd find yourself in grammar school knowing the names of all the famous soccer players in the world. But my dad was trying to run businesses so every every conversation at dinner, you know, it was, it was always HR people, um, you know, when he'd go to the accountant, he'd take me with him, he I'm going to take you with me, and I don't want you to say one word, You just shut up, sit in the corner, I want you to listen to stuff, because one day you're going to need to learn it, um, but the reason, you, the reason it was obvious to me is, again, back to my childhood, so in Kansas, a third of my friends were on uh, farms, they were a wheat farm, um, cattle, dairy, whatever, and so when I spent the night with pretty much You know, a third of my friends, when everything was done, the sun went down, you had supper, you cleaned the dishes, where where did their dad go? He'd walk out to the barn, and there was this ham radio, because he's out there in the middle of nowhere, and he'd get on that ham radio, and they'd be talking about the Yankees, the Muhammad Ali fight, but they're supposed to be talking about wheat, best practices, you know, and and farming, and they would get so excited, they like, I remember one time this guy got so excited, because here we are, we were in Fort Scott, Kansas, and he was talking to some, some farmer in Saskatchewan, and he's like, oh my god, I'm talking to someone in Saskatchewan, and then when you drove back home, or drove to grandma's house, it was a CB radio, so to me, the first social media was, you know, the ham radio and the CB radio. And, and so when MySpace came out and the internet came out, to me, it was just a ham radio in an internet connection. I mean, I, I never saw the difference between AOL and a ham radio. So it was, it, And what is it? It's just people are social animals and they like to take uh, talk to other people. And the thing I love most about these groups is you're a summary of your five best friends. So if you get on your Facebook group and you're talking about people who are serious about dentistry, want to have a better life, more happy, more fulfilling, that's what's going to lift you up. But a lot of these dentists hang out with their four best drinking friends from dental school who hate dentistry, think it was stupid. Uh, all they want to do is complain about insurance and DSOs. And, and, and when you hang around five people who just talk toxic negativity, it, it sucks the energy out of you. And what's so neat about the long tail of social media is, I don't care if you were just—if your whole world was just quilting, you can find a community of just people who want to come home every night after work and quilt and show your quilts. So it used to be, you know, with ABC, C,NBC NBC back in the day, there were just three big stations making all these mass—you know—things, uh, these mass content for everybody. But now with the internet those days are gone and now it's going to be a long t- a tale so you're just talking about dentistry someone else is talking about quilting this lady the other day was telling me she got a boxer she got a new boxer dog she's found a community that, that this is not like a vet talking about animals or a vet talking about dogs. she found a community of just people who only talk about boxers because they don't care about poodles and terriers and rottweilers i mean her life her baby's a boxer and she only wants to know about boxers. And, and this thing she was telling me that she learned on this was just, it just it's the long tail of communication. Um, same, same with radio. When I was little, the radio stations, you know, it was an hour. They were half commercials. So the content would be six three-minute songs. So if you were Elvis Presley or the Beatles or whatever, you could release an album sell 10 to 50 million copies. But as soon as the smartphone came out, you could order your own phones, uh, your own songs, one at a time, no one has sold an album with 10 million copies. It's this long tail. So now instead of like every year, six major albums come out by the, the, the usual suspects selling 10 million apiece. Now it's, it's, it's 100,000 small records with a long tail of small listeners. And you can find um um in, interesting that Amazon and iTunes both said that every time they put a book on Amazon or a song on iTunes, they've never put a book or a song up that didn't sell a copy every quarter. So you could be a Tibetan monk living in a cave and and put out a Tibetan monk song and somebody's gonna buy it and listen to it every quarter. So that's that long tail of specialty media and the big boys making these big generic movies are in big trouble.
0: Well, it's great. And, and I want to just read a couple of uh, your your followers in terms of, of Dentaltown. You post some pretty impressive numbers. So Dentaltown has approximately 250,000 registered members for Dentaltown, oh. Town. it's probably higher. These are some numbers i pulled up um, before. And you have 300,000 Facebook followers or more, 25,000 Twitter followers. You had about 35,000 LinkedIn followers. So you've definitely built a tribe with We Dentist. And um, mm-hmm. like I said, the Dental Town platform, it has uh, you know, podcasts, it has blogs, it has um, just all kinds of different groups. Like you say, you can find your group in there. You can find whatever your thing is in dentistry that you like to do. You can find similar minded people to be in those groups as well.
1: And I want to um I want to make one um you know, so much success is counterintuitive, like, like when I remember from 93 to 2000, March of 2000, you know, every year, Cisco, Intel, Microsoft, and Dell would just continue to double, double, double. I and mean, when it was doubling every year, everybody wanted to buy. And then when it tanked at March of 2000 and went from like 5,800 to 1,200, nobody would buy a stock which, you know, everybody tells you that counterintuitive is so successful. And when you look on these social media platforms like Facebook, um, all, all social media platforms, I wanna show you this stat that um, blows people's mind. Um, it's, um, where do I, um, but basically about 90, so basically all the, media, all the statistics from all the big social media sites show that 1% of the people generate pretty much all the content nine percent engaged they might comment like I agree or lol or a follow-up but nine out of ten people never post so the average the average person on Facebook's got about 140 friends what they should do is they should open up their friends and start scrolling back and seeing where the last time they post and they're going to see nine out of ten of their friends don't post so a lot of dentists are sitting there and they're in your Facebook group they're on any social media site and they got a question but they're they're their social animal anthropological animal just wants to lay low. They say fear of public speaking is the biggest fear. And 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 the counterintuitive ones, the ones that sit there and go on your Facebook group or Dentaltown and say, I'm thinking about buying one of these two practices in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and and they lay out the numbers and the website. They need to be totally transparent. And then all these really smart people go in there and tell you what to think about and how to look at this and they help you. And I, I watched it on Dentaltown for, for 20 years. I mean, um, you know, everybody's a lurker and, and you don't raise your hand for help and the people who they, there must be something wrong with them. If, if 90% of people on Facebook and Reddit did not post last year, a single post, it's that 1% posting Who and who's getting all the help. And then a lot of times you're afraid that maybe they'll say something wrong. I always thought that was the best part of writing a monthly column because I believe something and I would write my column and then someone would tell me I'm wrong. And I think I'm so lucky because I was thinking a wrong thought and now they've cleared it up. But for me, I felt that was a blessing, but that's the fear that everybody's afraid of is that they're, they're going to come out wrong, and 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 it's just uh, so it's if you're struggling with anything, e- even addiction on Dental Town, people have logged on and said, you know, I, I I I you know I can't stop doing this it's ruining my life, but you know they're anonymous, you know, it's afraid. And within seconds, you know, people are there. Come on, this is a disease. We, we'll we'll get this taken care of. Or are looking at bankruptcy, or don't know if they should fire a hygienist or not, or what are you going to do with the rays? And, and the stress and anxiety is because they just internalize it. Mm-hmm. When the opposite, the counterintuitive is that raise your hand, get on your Facebook room say, hey, Evelyn, I'm really stressed. Here's my problem. And then everybody's going to see your problem, and then um, they're, they're all going to help fix it. You can't keep your problems, um, you know, non-transparent. So just be counterintuitive, be transparent. And let me tell you something. There's, and the other way to look at humans, I always tell my boys that, they think there's been about 108 billion Homo sapiens since we became a species 2 million years ago. And there's only 8 billion alive today. So basically 96% of all the people that ever lived are, di- are dead. And then you got almost 8 billion now. And of those 8 billion, how many do you actually know? A couple hundred? So 99.999% of humans are dead or you're never gonna meet. So why do you live in fear of, of, of transparency? I mean, my gosh, and, and most people spend all their time thinking about their life, their problems, what they're encountering. They're, they don't wake up in the morning and when they're brushing their teeth thinking, I wonder if Evelyn's brushing her teeth right now, or, you know, they're, they're thinking about what they're going to do after they brush and get dressed. And so just be counterintuitive, be transparent, um, you know, you, and you don't need to. Um, I, and I think that's why Reddit might be growing better than Facebook because they still have the anonymous thing going. I mean, how do you really post an anonymous question on Facebook if there's your profile and everybody sees that it's you? So I think that's one of the reasons people gravitate to Dentaltown and Reddit. By the way, your private group, you can set up a private group on Dentaltown too. So you can have the, if you set up a private group on Dentaltown um, and you can upload your podcast for free on Dentaltown too. And that's been a tremendous marketing thing for podcast people because they um, um you know they get to see a list of all the, I think 65 people in dentistry upload their podcasts and they all said when they uploaded on Dentaltown their iTunes and YouTube channel exploded because uh, just free marketing. But my gosh, um you know a lot of them on Dentaltown they want to be anonymous because imagine you're an endodontist and you're having problems, and you posted that on Facebook, and everybody knew. Well, you're, the other endodonts across the street could take a screenshot of that and send it to all the, all the referring dentists, say say, this, this guy doesn't even know what he's doing. He's on Facebook asking for endo help. And that's what I like about anonymity on Reddit, on Dentaltown, is that there has to be a place where you can ask a stupid question where everybody didn't say, oh, that's Howard Fran in Phoenix asking that incredibly stupid question. If there's no place for a stupid question, it, it, it's going to hurt the profession.
0: It is. And like like we said, we're, we're oftentimes introverts and we practice alone a lot. So it's good just to, to have somewhere to go to to talk and express whatever it is that's going on.
1: So what do you think it was in your journey where you were so naturally transparent? Oh,
0: I don't know. I mean, um, early on, I, I talked a lot and I would talk with my family. So especially like when I was going through dental school and I was dealing with just adjusting and then going out into private practice, I, 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 I struggled somewhat with the transitions and things, but I just talked about it. I naturally talked about it with my, with my family. Some people don't talk and they internalize everything, which is really a dangerous thing. It's bad for your health. Um, it's just bad all the way around. So I would I always talk to people.
1: Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I love the platform. Um, I think this is um, a really good point uh, that we can uh, tell the listeners again. Uh, we'll introduce them to the dental town and your, uh, your book, which is a wonderful book. Um, is there anything else that you want to conclude with before, before our time together is, is up?
1: Um, since day one for humanity, success is very related to hard work and the harder you work, um, the harder you hustle. I mean, like, let's say that you decide for some reason you have to set up in Washington, DC that doesn't need a dental office. And you tell me there's so many thousand dentists in DC. I bet you 90% of those work Monday through Thursday, eight to five. So when you tell me how many dentists are in DC, I say, well, how many dentists are in DC at 7 PM at night? How many dentists are there in DC on Saturday and Sunday? I've been on Sunday. There's almost close to zero. Um, we look at the the um, statistics on um, hospital emergency room visits, and eight and a half percent of all emergency room visits for the United States of America is odontogenic in origin, because they they can't they they got a toothache and there's nobody there. And when the dentists come out, and here's another thing: when you work four days a week, Friday you rest. Saturday, you're bored. So Sunday, you go to Home Depot and start a $3,000 bathroom renovation project, and you're going to build a debt. You you just spend money. But what I did is I worked 7 to 7, Monday through Saturday, and I couldn't spend any money because I was so busy working. When I came home, I'd be too exhausted to go to a restaurant. I'm like, God, I'd I'd rather just stay home and eat a bologna sandwich than get in my car and drive to Macayo's Mexican restaurant or something like that. So, you know, there's just nothing beats – just hustle just come out of school work hard live below your means and here's the bottom line if you're lucky enough to be born in the 20 richest countries in the world and the united states and canada are two of the best and you're lucky enough to be a doctor of dental surgery in america and you come out and you live below your means and you work harder than the average american for 10 years you'll live better than 90 percent of americans the last 50 years of your life so just work like no woman has for 10 years and you'll reap like no woman has for 50 years just hustle just get out there and work hard and treat your patient like you want to treat yourself my oldest sister's a a nun and she um knows multiple languages but she's going to say to all the major religions hinduism buddhism judaism christianity islam and she says the only common thing in every religious book, its there's not a name of a person that's in all these works, a city, a place. There's nothing that's in all major religions except for the golden rule. Treat other people like you want to be treated. And if you get patient-focused and not dentist-focused, like you want to work 8 to 5, well, your patient can't leave work 8 to 5. But if you get totally patient-focused and treat that patient like you would want them to treat you, And you work hard, hustle, live below your means for a decade, you're going to be a rich, fat cat in America, and you're going to feel good about it, and you're going to live happily ever after.
0: Very good. Words of the wise. (laughs) So thank you so much, uh, Dr. Farron, uh, for being on the show. Um, Like I said, you're my dental hero. You've you've Uh just been so many great things for the profession. Uh, you, you've been a pioneer for, for us so that we have podcasts and blogs and things of that sort as well. And I just really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, because you're always traveling all over the world to be on the Efficient Practice podcast. And also I want to say a thank you, because whenever something big happens in my life, I send you an email and you always respond. So I, I really appreciate how, how given you are um, your profession and to to other dentists and people in general.
1: Well, say back at you, we should start a mutual admiration club. (laughs) We both admire each other so much.
0: (laughs) All right. So this concludes another episode of the Efficient Practice Podcast. If you have not, please subscribe to rate and review the show. And also you can join our free Facebook group called the Efficiency Now Network, where there are other dentists who are on. We are sharing pearls of wisdom so that we can all have more efficiency, more productivity, more profitability, and a better quality of life. So until next time, take care and be well. Thanks again, Dr. Farron, for being on the show.
1: It was an honor. Thank you for having me.
0: Excellent. And we will see you next time. Take care and be well. Bye-bye.
1: All right. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Efficient Practice Podcast with Dr. Evelyn Samuel.